Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, with me, Arif Dean, here to cover game two of the Global Series. And Arif, what really kind of felt like this, you know, the Global Series took forever to get here and now suddenly it's over in the blink of an eye, it feels like, right? Those games went, came and went super fast and there you have it, Avs beat the Columbus Blue Jackets back-to-back games by the total scores of 11-4. to Just good statement wins by the Avalanche. And you and I said coming into this trip, if they don't get two wins out of this, it's a failure. Well, we don't have to think about that anymore. Yep, and uh, don't get too ahead of yourself because the next Avalanche game is in about two months. So it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah, they're off until Thursday. Look, man, they... They needed to come into these games, and we're going to break down the second game here in a sec, but they needed to come into these games and kind of not just win, but we talked about them needing to get statement victories, and uh, they almost blew it in the first game. 3 to nothing lead, it was 3-3, to but they made it a statement victory. They got the two goals, then the empty netter. They followed it up today. You know, within the blink of an eye in the second period, it was suddenly 4-1, to and that's what you want to see from easily the better team like the avalanche should have came into these games and scored a lot of goals didn't give up a lot of goals and uh, come away with four points and that scenario is exactly how it played out I mean you and I did the same podcast at the same time yesterday and we, we broke down a game where the avalanche had a little bit of a window of ugly hockey right and Columbus was able to get back into the game Columbus was able to generate some chances you saw Johnny Gaudreau at the doorstep um, so that being considered, I thought that game two was going to look a lot tougher for the Avalanche, right? You thought, all right, Columbus is showing some promise. They're giving themselves a little bit of hope and pride in that locker room. And then you expect them for game two to maybe come out of the gate with that hope and pride. But um, no, it went the opposite way. And I think that's just credit to the Avalanche rather than, um, you know, expecting Columbus to elevate their game. The Avalanche elevated theirs and said, you know what? We don't want to be that close with Columbus again. Let's make sure we put it away. And, and I think they just maybe brought a little bit better of an effort tonight. Yeah, it kind of gave me the feel of like a college hockey series and that feel where the better team, like it's usually the way it plays out. Like if the better team barely squeaks out with a victory in the first game, which not that they barely squeaked out, but they did give up that three goal lead. They coughed it up. Um, if the better team barely squeaks out a victory in the first game, it's kind of like enough is enough and let's win the second one and pretty much remind the other team and ourselves, most importantly, that we are the better squad here. And that's ultimately how it happened. I mean, the fact that Nathan McKinnon had the game that he had again, the fact that the depth was able to pitch in again, Kill McCarr put up a ton of points again, Devon Taves pull up a ton of points again, Gorgiev made a ton of saves again. Like it was a lot more of a well-rounded performance than what they had on Friday. And you saw that on the score sheet and obviously on the final score. Yeah, you bring up Alexander Georgiev having a pretty solid couple of games there, giving up three goals in game one and only one in game two. So that's a, a good direction to head. But let's get into the conversation about the goalies because I don't think we all anticipated that it was going to be back-to-backs for Alexander Georgiev. But if you take a step back and really think about it, the move makes sense. Yeah. So um, your thoughts on just simply going back-to-back on Georgiev right now and, and maybe not using Pavel Francouz, whichever you find more important. You know, I was going to say that it's, it's look, Pavel Francouz knows his role and it's a guy that, you know, obviously doesn't play November 4th or November 5th, hasn't played since last week because that's the last time the Avalanche played and won't play again until late next week, Thursday, Saturday, or, you know, the following Monday, because they have this time off again. 
he's used to having those breaks. The other guy, Alexander Georgiev, is also used to having those breaks, but he doesn't want to have those breaks anymore. This is why he's in Denver. It's the 10th and 11th game of the regular season. There's nothing wrong with playing him two nights in a row after having five nights off and having another four nights off before the next game to basically let him get into that rhythm. I mean, what's been the story of Gorgiev since training camp? Every single time you and I talk to him, every time he talks to any media member, it's, I want to play every other night. I want to be the starting goalie. I want to get in that rhythm. He started to get into that rhythm yesterday. He followed it up today with an even better performance. And uh, he's still facing 30 plus shots a night. Every time you look at the score sheet and you see those games where he gets peppered in a period, like today, the Avalanche only gave up 17 shots in the first two periods and then another 15 in the third, and he shut him down in the third period. Suddenly, he's got a 925 save percentage. He's 7-1-1, and and he's kind of sitting there like, you know what? I've been telling everybody for months. Let me play every night. Let me play every other night, and I can put in good performances, and that's what he's doing. So on a surface level, it does seem surprising, but when you really, like you said, when you really dig into it, given the way the schedule is, given how ungrueling of a season it's been so far in terms of a rhythm and playing every other night given the fact that Frankie you can stick him in net after being off for two weeks and he'll be totally fine it made all the sense in the world to just be like you know what Georgie wants to play he wants to win games uh let's put him in there two nights in a row against a team we probably will and should beat and let's pad his numbers a little bit and get his confidence up yeah, exactly. It's atypical from Jared Bednar to go to that back-to-back move. But I remember, I, th- I think Patrick Waugh did it a couple times with Varley, and it was always because Varley would have a really good night one. So why stop? Why stop that momentum and let him carry that into night two? Because typically that carries over pretty well for goaltenders. I know it's a pretty heavy workload, but get the guy hydrated, get him nourished, and, and he'll be ready to go. And for Jared Bednar, I think he just smelled blood in the water, right? Yeah. I mean, it, this is a great chance to take two victories. That's what he's here for. You know, as, as much as he has, you know, ties over at Columbus, maybe that's even all the more incentive to put the foot on the gas and say, I need these two victories. Because looking back at last year, Columbus took both of these victories they when did. they played back-to-back games. So maybe a little bit of bitterness out of Jared Bednar and maybe just a little bit of, hey, uh, I think we can take advantage of a weak team, get two victories here, and ensure them rather than rolling the dice with Pavel Francouz, who just hasn't necessarily played up to the level we expect of him yet. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is the Avalanche were 4-4-1 and entering these two games, and they needed a pick-me-up. You know, I just talked about Georgie padding his numbers, getting his confidence up. They needed to pick me up as a team, and they got that out of these games. And I think that's why Jared went back to their to the starting goalie. And, you know, that's nothing against Frankie. But here, let me say this really quickly about Francis. The reason why Bednar is able to make those kind of decisions is because of the backup goalie the Avalanche have. Because if you look at any other team in the league, let me use two examples here. Let's start with the Edmonton Oilers. Stuart Skinner's been having a strong start to the season. The guy might be their next starting goalie of the future, probably will be. And then they have Darcy Campbell. I did it again. Jack Campbell, (laughs) who they signed to a five-year contract this summer. If the Edmonton Oilers have a back-to-back and they play Stuart Skinner in the first game and he puts in a good performance and then they go back to Stuart Skinner, suddenly there's a goalie controversy. Jack Campbell wants to be the starter. That's why he signed here. You're playing the young guy. What's going on? Maybe Jack Campbell's confidence is kind of dipping. Let's use Toronto as an example. You got Samsonov and you got Matt Murray, who's obviously injured right now. So Ilya Samsonov, same thing. 
whoever doesn't play this the this both games, you're gonna sit there and be like, what's happening? Because the Avalanche have such a good trooper in Pavel Francouz, who knows his role, has accepted his role, is obviously still an athlete and very competitive and wants to play every night, but understands in situations like this why he's not playing is what gives the Avalanche the ability to do something like this. He's not going to cause a stir over it. It's not going to be an issue because you know in two weeks from now, let's see Georgie goes down with the flu and he's out for five days. And in those five days, the Avalanche have a back-to-back in three games and four nights. You can plug in Frankie and he'll go 3-0. and He'll be fine. So that really does help the Avalanche. Because of the guy they have as their backup goalie and the type of person he is, you can make decisions like this and help out your starter who's more interested in playing every other day or every day, every game, whatever you want to say. And it's not going to hurt the backup who has been sitting now or will be sitting by the time the Avalanche play again for more than two weeks. It's interesting you bring this up because this is actually a thought I've been having a lot lately, especially back when we were still discussing who's really going to take over the starting spot. And you look at the mindset difference of the two, right? Igor, or sorry, Alexander Georgiev has zero interest in being a backup goalie anywhere. He believes he's the best, as you've brought up uh, when you interviewed him for your article. In his mind, he is the best goalie in the NHL. Pavel Francouz, I think, has a little bit more of that backup mindset. Like, ah, no, I don't even think I'm the best goalie on my team. Um, I, I'm just here to play backup. And, of course, you, he wants to play and he wants to be the starter. But I think if you were to ask them, they have completely different answers because of just the way they're both wired. And to your point, it, it's the way that Pavel Francouz is wired that makes this all workable right now. But it, it also kind of shuts the door on the conversation of who, if, if it's even 1A or 1B. No, it's, it's a definite first and second. And um, just simply because Georgiev won't take no for an answer and – that's just simply who he is. What makes Frankie a great option to call a 1B, and I want to emphasize the letter B, and rather than being a backup goalie, is guys that are good backup goalies give you 12 to 20 good games a year, and that's it. Pavel Francouz, you cannot rely on him as your end-all-be-all starting goalie. You cannot have him playing with one of those backups that gives you 12 to 20 or whatever, 22 good games a year. However... When your starter goes down, you're feeling you're feeling pretty good about it. Think back to the days where the Avalanche had, let's say, Jose Theodore and Peter Budai. Theodore was the clear-cut starting goalie. You knew he was the guy. Peter Budai was a clear-cut backup goalie. If your starter gets injured, you're fucked. Let's use an even more recent example because that might be too far down. The Tampa Bay Lightning have Vasilevsky and Elliott. Elliott will give you 10 to 15 good games a year, but if Vasilevsky gets injured, that team is screwed. What makes Frankie a good 1B is he's got the backup goalie mindset, as in he's a good team player, not he's not competitive and doesn't want to be a starter. But if Georgie goes down, hell, if Darcy Kemper goes down in the friggin' Final Four, the Western Conference Finals, you can turn to Frankie and he'll sweep you a series and sit out the Stanley Cup Final because that's what a good 1B goalie does. Yep, indeed. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a good decision. Obviously proved to be the right decision. And here we are, uh, Avalanche coming back home. Alexander Georgiev with a stellar 
save percentage so far and just floating high and the confidence is high, but the confidence is high all around that locker room right now. A lot of guys chipping in these last couple games and namely Arturi Lekkinen I wanted to get into. Yesterday you and I brought up how it was a little bit sad that he was left off the score sheet considering Miko Rantanen's night and Patrick Laine's night. Well, didn't take him long to change that and I, I like that it was a nice little play right from away. his line mates, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon, you got to hand it to him. The patience on that first goal right there by Lekkinen, the patience to wait it out, wait it out, wait it out, and then make that pass. It was very reminiscent of what Rantanen did yesterday when he had that patience and then shot it into the net from the wide from the wide angle. Um, just a great play. Great to see Lekkinen get on the boards. And uh, you got to kind of feel for Patrick Laine. He had a quote, you know, I'll go back to Lekkinen in a second, but he had a quote postgame from Eric Portsline of uh, Aaron Portsline, sorry, of The Athletic. He said, it sucks. I'm kind of wishing that this trip had never happened after this. I feel like it was just a waste of time for us. It sucks. That's all I've got to say. So you can tell these games meant so much to these Finnish players. And Lekkinen's not going to sit there and say it sucks if he comes out of this with zero points. But when, if ever, is Lekkinen ever going to have an opportunity again to play, to play an NHL game in Finland? Like, you got to be right place, right time like he was. Hell, he got traded to this team at the deadline. This game was planned way before he was ever a part of this team. Hell, it should have been played two years ago because of COVID, it's been delayed for a couple of years. So right place, right time, it takes just to be able to partake in one of these. So you knew he wanted to get those one of those goals because it means a lot for these guys, as you can see from the Patrick Liney quote. So great for Archery to get the go, to get the game rolling. And, and you kind of could tell right from that goal, even though the Blue Jackets kind of bounced back, tied it up at 1-1, and had some uh, push there in the first period. You could tell the Avalanche just from the onset it was, you know, we're, we're going to beat this team and we're going to beat them good. Yep, definitely. And and you brought up Nathan McKinnon there, and I just think he had an amazing weekend. I what know we didn't – I mean, seven assists is unreal, and, and just the way he's emphasizing the assist portion of his game. I mean, it's always been a part of it. You look at his, his stats, he's always had at least 50 assists a season, but – um, it feels like he's he's thinking more about his teammates rather than shooting, and, and I think it's it's been amazing, and he's just everywhere. I mean, I thought he had maybe the best two-game set that he's had all season long these last two games in Finland, so maybe just a good chance for him to reset, like we said um, early on in the week, and he uh, it was looking phenomenal. I love what I'm seeing out of Nathan McKinnon. I mean, nothing crazy there. I'm not breaking any ground, but um, yeah, he, he was buzzing. Yeah, I mean, look, when you when you look at the NHL stats the last half a decade, the top three point producers are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and then Nathan McKinnon. He's third place in the NHL behind that two-headed monster in Edmonton. Well, he came into the series against Finland, or in Finland, he came into the series with 12 points in nine games, which is pretty damn good. That's a pretty good pace. You want to see a pace like that all season. But he was nowhere near the top of the leaderboard. Well, he puts up seven assists. Now, if you pull up the NHL stats page, number one, Connor McDavid, number two, Leon Dreisaitl, number three, Nathan McKinnon. He's right where he belongs. 16 assists in 11 games. Are you kidding me? He's tied with Leon Dreisaitl for most in the NHL in the same amount of games too. So this is what he does, man. He he seems to start the seasons by, you know, dishing a lot of uh, passes out there and, you know, racking up the assist not scoring a lot three goals in 11 games is by no means a snooze fest but it's also not the half a goal per game pace that you expect from McKinnon where 
even after the start he had last year where he kind of started slow offensively in terms of goal production, he still ended with 32 goals in 65 games, which is a 40-goal pace over a full 82. So he still got to those numbers. I still expect he will this year. But you can tell in the beginning of the season when the games, I don't want to say don't matter as much, but there's not as much pressure in these performances. He's going to make plays like today where he's going to have that patience, wait it out, and find Arturi Lekanen. You know, kind of romanticizing the idea of Lekanen scoring in Finland. Miko yesterday, let's get him the hat trick where later on in the season, March, April, when his eyes are red and he's looking straight at the playoffs, he's going to take those shots, not just on the empty netter, but that Lekanen shot. You know he could have wired that past Corpusalo. It's it's what he does. So I love that he's able to kind of shift his game as the season goes on. But in the beginning, it's I'm the best playmaker in the league. And later on, I'm going to do it all. Another great example of his conscious shift towards maturity, right? Instead of just thinking, how do I get a shot on net? He he recognizes, hey, maybe I, I got two guys sucking in on me because, you know, he's an emphasis for defenses to cover, right? You, you want to keep a, a body at least on Nathan McKinnon. So, uh, you know, he draws the eyes and finds his teammates open and they know how to bury it. So it, it's been a great little synergy there on that line. And, and it's got to continue. Yeah, of course, and and uh, this is the kind of production you want to see, especially for Lekkinen, who had a ton of points in the first two games of the season that kind of slowed down offensively. Uh, luckily for the Avalanche, he brings so much to the table in terms of a two-way game, penalty killer, uh, four-checker, things like that, where if he's not producing points, he's still a valuable asset. But you want to see him putting up points, especially at a time period like this where you don't have Landis Gog. Nichushkin's kind of a game-time decision every night. Uh, you want to be able to have somebody like that producing and, and playing with Miko and Nate. I mean, there isn't a better opportunity for you to put up points. So so great for Archery, great for McKinnon to do that. Miko had another assist tonight. Uh, the top guys came and they showed up and Kel McCarr, three assists tonight after the performance yesterday. Uh, those are the types of things you want to see, those stat padding games for your top guys, and they took full advantage of it. Interesting that little tidbit you, you dropped about Patrick Laine. I mean, <laughs> saying it was a waste of time. Just the complete opposite mentalities heading home. A long flight home, so you'd hate to be sulking for the whole eight-hour flight back to Columbus. Rather, you, you're you uh, celebrating and in yeah. Jubilee on your way to Colorado, right? So uh, just night and day on, on those two two teams and two locker rooms and two flights, I guess, right now. Could you imagine what the locker room in Denver would be like if they put up, let's say, two more performances similar to last week's back-to-back, where they got shut out by the Devils and then gave up the three-goal lead to the Islanders? Think of how these podcast episodes, the way in which we'd be talking about this, the way in which we'd be talking about those teams if, if that's what had happened, knowing you're not playing again until Thursday. So one game, one week, one hot stretch makes the world of a difference. Uh, if you think this one is a big one, go look at the New Jersey Devils, who three games into the season were three and were zero and three, were chanting literally their crowd, the fans were chanting in New Jersey, fire Lindy for their head coach Lindy Ruff, and now the Devils are eight and three. They've won eight in a row. They are on fire. And alternatively, you have the St. Louis Blues. We started the season three and zero, and now you blink twice. You look at the standings. The St. Louis Blues are three and six. They've lost six in a row. So that's what one little hot stretch does for you. When you play two games in Finland after five days off and another five off coming up, this is what's going to happen. Like those two games matter so much because over a twelve day period, those are the only two games on your brain. So that's why the Avalanche have all of this jubilation heading into next week. Like you said, three straight games at Ball Arena. Can't wait. 
and the Columbus Blue Jackets are just going to be sulking this. It's going to hurt for a little while. Yep, still a long way to go, but w- what a great reset it was, and um, that's exactly what they needed. But <clears throat> I don't know if you saw, Arif, but I made a, a fun little spoof video on how I failed to get my way paid to Finland. Um, and in doing so, I got to visit our friends over at Total Beverage at their location on 104th and Thornton, and I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, it, it's a huge liquor store, um, has all sorts of wine from all over the country. I mean, a huge selection. It's no exaggeration. Every time I say that they have a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, it's absolutely true. It's a it's a big store, one of those ones that are fun to go into, and you just have stuff from all over the world. They have many different Finnish alcohols. They had some beers from Spain, which you know I love, wines from Spain, and, and yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. A clean spot, too. Clean spot and friendly people. So, um, of course... If you don't know about Total Beverage, stop by 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself or always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Nice people, and I want to extend an extra thank you for being a part of my video, right? Nobody really gained anything out of it. It was all out of the kindness of everyone's heart. So thanks to the people at Total Beverage and especially Megan for joining me on that video. But moving on, Arif. Let's get to Martin Kaut. I, I think it was good to see him score a goal. He's been through a lot already in this short little season. A lot of ups and downs. Um, finally gets one, and it was a pretty pivotal goal, right? It was early on in the game when the game was still could have gone either way, and, and it mattered. So, yeah, Martin Kaut, not only Martin Kaut, but but the rest of the depth, as you've, as you've kind of alluded to. Yep, Martin Kaut, game-winning goal, even strength, assisted by Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. Like, if that's not the type of confidence boost this damn kid needed and Jared Bednar needed in this kid and out of this kid, like, that's what you want to see from Martin Kaut. He ended up adding an assist on the Alex Newhook goal, which was also assisted by Evan Rodriguez. There's a couple other guys that you wanted to put up points. His goal came right before Logan O'Connor. Surprise, surprise. Another guy you want to see continue to produce. Suddenly, you're feeling a lot better about these guys. Martin Kaut is in here. He's not the... Um, no disrespect, he's not the Mikhail Maltsev plugged into the fourth line or Jacob McDonald plugged in because I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Bowen Byram was a late decision scratch, lower or not decision, sorry, late lower body injury scratch. So he didn't play today. So Jacob McDonald had to shift to forward or to defense and McDermott came in and played forward or vice versa, whatever. The fact of the matter is Martin Kaut wasn't part of that group of guys at the bottom that you're just plugging and playing that we've been talking about all season. Sedlak and Bleed and this guy and that guy. They come play five minutes and then they're out. Then they play five minutes and they're out. So you want to see him produce. He's the kind of guy, unlike Dryden Hunt, who's an energy guy, who you can see on the fourth line. Unlike Nicholas Abe-Kubel, the waiver wire pickup last year, who, by the way, was picked up by the Washington Capitals. So his time in Toronto is done. Unlike those guys, Martin Kaut's the type of guy that needs to be put in a position to score and produce. He's either going to produce in the NHL or he's not going to be in the NHL. There is no fourth line Martin Kaut. The Avalanche already had this kind of thing with Tyson Jost, tried to turn him into an energy player, a good penalty killer, which he did become a good PKer, but it's not his strength. So for Kaut to not only score, but to score at even strength of a one-to-one game where he's on the ice with 29-8, and eight, is a big deal. It's a really good thing for this team, and it's what he needed. It's what the Avalanche needed, and and shout out to him. His first goals since February of 2020 before the COVID pause. 
Right, and third of his career, so it's not even like he's piled that many on. So it's probably still special, especially doing it in Finland. Um, but I, yeah, that, really quick, yeah, I just scrolled through my phone through the images, and I found the image of him holding up his uh, first puck at the Ball Arena, well, then Pepsi Center uh, locker room after scoring his first career goal, doing that picture with the first puck in February 26th, I want to say. So it's been a while since he scored, since that first career goal. It's been two and a half years. He's come a long way. Yeah, and just having that depth contributing like that and even padding the stats a little bit, Gives people confidence up and down the lineup, right? Not just the guys who scored it and not just give them something to build off of moving forward. But when you have the confidence in the depth, the top guys are going to play better and they're going to play a little more loose. And Nathan McKinnon's not going to feel like he has to shoot every puck and he's going to be moving it around, spreading the wealth. Kale McCarr is going to be spreading the wealth. He's going to be playing a little more confidently. So having those guys contribute does more than just simply pump the tires of the guys that scored it. Yeah, of course, and and uh, it gives you the ability to have more options when the Nichushkins and these guys come back. You now can shift the lines a little bit differently. I mean, hey, maybe Rodriguez is now, you know, suddenly building this chemistry with Logan O'Connor or some other guy. Not that that's what's happening, but where now you can suddenly feel comfortable, even with a healthy Nichushkin, keeping Martin Kaut in a top six role, shifting other pieces because this guy deserves it. So. That's what you want to see when players get injured and other guys step up and have big performances. They earn their spot and they keep their spot. Better example of that, Bowen Byram. He was a third-pairing defenseman. Sam Girard gets injured in the playoff. Bowen Byram explodes. Regular season starts. Bo's a top-four guy. Sam Girard's on the third pair. Not because Girard did anything wrong, but because Bowen Byram stepped up. So you want to see your guys that were drafted with your top picks, like Martin Kaut was, like Bowen Byram was, to take advantage of those opportunities, and this could be the start of it for Cowder. If you take these two games as a whole, I think there's just so much to build off of and point to in these last two games. I mean, you want to put together a complete game. I say if you combine these two games, the Avalanche put together a complete game, right? You had the depth going at one point. You had the top guys going at one point. The power play was vicious yesterday. The penalty kill looked good at moments yesterday. Um, today they didn't get a power play goal and, and gave another one up. But, um, you know, again, in the two games, I think there's a, a lot of positives to take away for Colorado. And, uh, again, a lot of things to build off of. It's easy for Jared Bednar to be there in video and say, look, Martin Kaut, see what you did here? That's exactly what I meant. That's what I've been needing you to do. And that helps him click and helps everything. I mean, just uh, the, these last two games, I think there's been so much positive from Colorado that I, I, I think they're going to be heading the direction that they needed to, yep. and it was the reset that, that we needed from them. It was absolutely the reset they needed. If you remember, we talked about this in our episode that was called Much Needed Reset. We talked about how last year it was after the two straight losses to Columbus and then all those days off afterward where they were able to start to find their rhythm. Well, they got a little bit of a head start here because they are going to start playing every other night. They are going to get into a rhythm here, but they started it with the Finland trip, which is a good thing for them. It's a good thing for a team that was 4-4-1 and, and, and needed a boost. And going back to the power play and penalty kill thing, uh, I think it's hilarious that it's the same two referees. It's Chris Rooney, who's a veteran, and TJ Luxmore, who's a younger guy. Yesterday, there was a total of 12 power play opportunities. Today, there were two. The Columbus <laughs> Blue Jackets scored in 28 seconds. The Avalanche had two minutes and it was killed off. And then the only other penalties called, those were both in the first period, by the way, the only other penalties called were the Olivier and McDermott fight late in the second. Not a single minor. It's just so funny, the 
the way that games are officiated on a game to game basis. I'm glad that they got that fight in there too, just yeah. for the for the Finnish fans' sake, yeah. right? They got to see a little bit of everything in those two games. Kind of like I'm saying, the Avalanche did a little bit of everything well at some point or another. The Finnish fans got to see a little bit of NHL hockey in, in all of its faces. Yeah, you got a fight in there. You got you know a hat trick performance in there. There was just a ton of things in both games that really did a number for for those home fans and and made it worth worth their while and a good bang for your buck for Finland and for the NHL Global Series. Speaking of doing a number, one thing I wanted to comment on real fast is Andrew Cogliano. He's been taking a beating these last two games. He's been laying it all out there. The the Andrew Andrew Cogliano that we know, um, you know, he'll sacrifice his body, but man, you just hate seeing him walk down the the tunnel because you know, especially at his age, sometimes you're like. Who knows when he comes back? But so far, he's coming back um, pretty much next shift every time. So, um, so far, so good. But I ho- hopefully, for his sake, this uh, next week yeah. is a nice time to recover. Yeah, he's going to have some ice bags on this flight back and when he gets to Denver. Um, Cogliano's the kind of guy that doesn't miss a lot of games. If you remember, he was one of the uh, NHL Ironmen. He was up there with Phil Kessel and Keith Yandel for a while. And his Ironman streak ended because he got a two-game suspension for a very questionable suspension. So he doesn't miss a lot of games. He hasn't in over a decade in the NHL. He obviously had that broken hand, uh, broken finger in the playoffs. But this is a guy that fights back from everything. And and, uh, even if the Avalanche were playing in a couple nights from now, I wouldn't expect him to miss time. And hopefully this little break gives him the amount of time he needs to rest, recover, and get ready to rock and roll because... Those games next week are some pretty good teams coming to town. The Predators, who've kind of struggled a bit. The Hurricanes, the Blues, the Hurricanes, the Capitals, the Stars. Some good teams coming up in these next five or six. That reminds me of the uh, Will Ferrell bit in Austin Powers. I guess it's also the Monty Python bit, right? Just that's a lot older. So Austin Powers resonates with me more when he just won't die, right? You, (laughs) You shoot him, you burn him, and he just still... Still coming back. That's Andrew Cagliano. He'll always come back down that tunnel. Um, last thing, just a quick little fact. Uh, that was the first game in nine games where the game wasn't decided in the third period. Kind of just more to the fact that uh, they knocked it out early and took care of business and, you know, just got got the luxury of coasting down the third period. On yeah, the co- coasting and, 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 you know, coasting is not a right word because that word has a negative connotation to it, but... Being able to roll your lines in the third period, I mean, you know, we talked about the ice time for some of these guys yesterday. When you look at how they went today, Jacob McDonald played over 12 minutes. McDermott played almost 14, and that includes the fact that he was in the box for five minutes. Maltsev hit 11. Martin Kaut hit 14. Andrew Cogliano hit 12. Rodriguez, his ice time came down to 15 because you don't need to overplay him. Uh, Dryden Hunt hit almost 12 minutes. Uh, most notably, Sam Gerrard played 23, which was more than both Taves and Makar. So when you have a 4-1 to lead heading into the third period, you don't need to play your McKinnons and Taves and Makars. And you know suddenly Rodriguez is playing a lot. You don't need to play these guys 24, 25, 26 minutes. Roll the lines, get the other guys some shifts. They'll reward you with points like Martin Kaut did. Last question, Arif. I want you to grade the Global Series overall. The last two games, everything leading up to it, and uh, just how they executed the plan. And you know, it was obviously a unique arena, a unique space, two unique teams going out there. I'm gonna call it a B, and the reason why I'm not calling it an A, the the actual execution of the games, the hoopla, everything around it was great. 
the thing that the NHL struggles with, and it's the same thing as the Winter Classics, the Stadium Series, and everything, is they've gone away from making this a league-wide event. Nobody really cares about the Avalanche and Blue Jackets playing in Finland, except for the Avalanche and Blue Jackets. Because if this was, oh, I don't know, the Predators and Sharks, who played in wherever the hell they played a couple weeks ago, I believe in the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, definitely the Czech Republic. And um, Switzerland. I think it was the Czech, because I remember Dominic Hasek had those statements. That there was had. a game in Switzerland. I don't think it was those two, but anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah, they played, I think they played a Swiss team. Okay, we're yeah. going off yep. the topic Burn. here. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Anyway. Um, preseason game. So... When San Jose and Nashville were playing in Czech, uh, the fact that it took us this long to remember where they were playing um, says all you need to know. So I'm going to say B because in terms of the execution, it was great. The, the, the actual event, it was great. But Avalanche fans and Blue Jackets fans were watching this. The NHL has got to find a way to make these types of things full league events because they should be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think B is appropriate. I think that's good. I, I, I liked it, though. It was fun. Um, but now I'm excited to just put our heads down and move forward to the grind of the regular season, right? It almost like they, they got the second start. It's a second win for them, and now is when the schedule really gets tough. But as you mentioned, um, they're coming right back here. They'll be at Ball Arena here on Thursday against Nashville and Saturday against Carolina, and then one more against St. Louis before they really start heading into almost an every-other-night kind of routine. Yeah, I can't wait for that St. Louis game. I'm really excited to see if Jordan Bennington tries to fake fight someone again for the 17,000th freaking time. He did it again last week. <laughs> well, right on. That will uh, put a bow on the Global Series for us. As uh, Again, it was fun, but um, I'm ready to move on. So uh, what's our podcast schedule looking like, Arif? Let everybody know what we're planning because uh, we've got some time to fill until that Thursday game. Noted... Uh... Uh, author and storybook writer Peter Ba of The Athletic is going to join us on Tuesday. He's in Finland. I was texting him today. So we're going to kind of pepper him with questions of the entire experience there in Tempere, Finland, and he's going to help us pronounce Tempere, Finland. Uh, so we're going to have him on Tuesday, and then the Avalanche are finally back at Ball Arena. JJ, I never thought I'd say it. I miss your stupid, ugly mug, and I can't wait for those games. Thursday, Saturday, and then the following Monday, three straight at Ball Arena. So we'll have a post-gamer either Thursday or Friday for that Thursday game. We'll have a long show on Sunday. But first, we'll have Peter Ball on Tuesday to talk about Finland. I wish I could say the same about your ugly mug, but yeah. hey, well, let's keep the season going anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess there's another good place to stop. I'm excited to talk to Peter on Tuesday, the PB and JJ show in Arif. And, uh, yeah, we broke down all the hockey, so I really want to hear about the experience of Finland yeah. from him. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I heard yeah. he ate some food, and it was restaurants referred to him by Miko and Arturi. So that should be fun. Huh, yeah. Well, we'll get his terrible food takes as yeah. well. I could see the excitement in JJ's face when I said, oh, fuck, we're going to have to ask Peter about food and his takes. God <laughs> damn it. Never mind, we're canceling the show. Uh, well, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.